Welcome to the Old Time Radio Westerns. I'm your host, Andrew Rines, and this episode is brought to you by Amazon.com. If you plan on doing any online shopping, first go to otrwesterns.com slash Amazon to start your shopping experience today. Well, before we get into today's episode, which is going to be the final episode of this series, I want to let everybody know what the new TV show that I'm doing for the members. So if you're not a member, go to otrwesterns.com and check out the membership information on the right-hand side. Now, the new show, we were doing Bonanza, the TV show, and we ran out of episodes to play, so I had to sit there and try to find which TV show we should do. And the next show we're going to do is the Gene Autry show. I've got about 20 episodes out of the first season, and there was only 26 in the first season as it was. So I've got pretty much every episode. Uh, these aren't remastered. These are going to be the original black and white versions, but I am putting them out for all the members. So we're going to do them in sequential order from the original air date all the way through. So we've got about 20 weeks worth of shows. So if you want to be a member and get those on a weekly basis, go to otrwesterns.com. And again, on the right-hand side, you'll see all the membership information. You also get the entire back catalog. So even if you get a two-week trial, um, which is a one-time two-week for $2, you get the entire collection. You can sit there and download all day long and get the entire collection. You won't get anything um, after the week, but it's definitely worth the previous um, series. So I think that's it. Let's get into today's episode. Today's episode is going to be Horizons West. That's right, that continuing saga, and the final saga, actually, of Lewis and Clark. This is episode 13, original air dates, February 6, 1966, and the title is Down the Missouri to St. Louis. Now, real quick, before we get into it, I am going to put this out on CD, possibly DVD. I'll have to look at which way is better for you guys. Uh, if you know which way would be better, go to pod, send me an email, podcast at otrwesterns.com. But I'm going to put this out so you guys can actually buy the entire collection. It's going to be without my voice in there since not really needed, but it's going to be a nice little package set. So again, check that out on the Horizons West site on the right-hand side of otrwesterns.com. Let's get into today's episode, and again, thanks for listening. it could have been the British, Spanish, or even the Russian West. It became American primarily because of the explorations of two young army officers, Meriwether Lewis and William Clark. Their pioneering journey stands as one of the great achievements in the history of the United States. Down the river. Captain Lewis. Captain Clark. 
Captain Clark! I see the big white boat, but where is the big white one? They found it in bad shape and left it behind, I guess. What is it, Brian? Look up river, sir. It's Captain Lewis. Uh, mighty fine sight, isn't it? Sure is, sir. High time after us waiting so long. Let's give them a salute. Yes, sir. Attention! Get your rifles! Load up fast! Come on, you men! Make it fast now! Fire when ready! Lewis in the big white boat. Neither do I. Ordway's in this place. Do we up in the boat? And through that experience? And I see the big dog coming. Another sign of Captain Lewis. Now, anybody see him in those car canoes? No, sir. Something sure is wrong. Perhaps he's sick and must lie in the bottom of the big white boat. <laughs> Captain, I don't think he's with him at all. We'll find out in a few minutes. Horizons West, the continued story of the Lewis and Clark expedition. Now with Harry Bartell as Meriwether Lewis and John Anderson as William Clark, listen to the concluding chapter. Down the Missouri to St. Louis. August 12, 1806. William Clark and his party had descended the Missouri River at a leisurely pace, hoping Lewis would catch up with them. Now, not far from the Mandan Indian villages and slightly north and west of what is now the city of Bismarck, North Dakota, the long-anticipated reunion took place. Once again, the core of discovery was together. A lean, tough, bearded lot of heroes bound for home and immortality. The thought that Meriwether Lewis might be dead crossed my mind. Instantly, I rejected it as I hurried toward the boat. It couldn't happen, I told myself, with the hardest and most dangerous part of our journey completed. But the ugly thought persisted. Certainly, Meriwether Lewis was nowhere to be seen as Ordway and Gas brought the boats in. Sergeant Gas, where's Captain Lewis? Here, sir. Lying on the bottom of the boat. Here, Billy. You have to come to me. I'm too stiff to move. Meriwether, what, what happened? Fight with the Blackfeet? We had one, but I got this yesterday. Cruzat and I were hunting. He, he mistook me for an elk. He shot you? Accidentally, but it's not terrible. I dressed the wound this morning, sir. Just the same, I'd better have a look. All right, you men. Why are you standing around? Captain Lewis had himself an accident, but he's going to be up and around in a few days. So let's get busy. Unload those boats. Come on, unload them. I removed the bandages, closing an ugly but fortunately superficial wound, provided we kept it clean and away from infection. The pain of removing bandages was considerable for Meriwether. He clenched his teeth against it. Then he tried to make light of it. Tell me, Billy. Do I... Do I look anything like an elk? Uh, some, maybe. Between the eyes. Oh. With a grimace instead of a smile on his face, 
He slipped into unconsciousness. I went ahead with the cleaning and dressing of the wound, and soon Merriweather regained consciousness. Oh, feels better, I guess. Billy, I think the worst is over for us all. We're less than 2,000 miles from home and every mile downriver. A couple of days ago, we met a pair of trappers named Dixon and Hancock. Teton Sue had robbed them blind. I gave them rifles and ammunition. Well, we met them, too, right after my accident. They asked about the country upriver. They told me the Arikara and the Sioux didn't keep the peace. Hancock thinks the Sioux burned Fort Mandan. Looks like we'll have some tall talking to do. Those people have got to stop fighting each other. What's that? Gus, Gus, what is it? Hancock and Dixon. They're going to join up with us by the look of it. Gas was right. The two trappers asked to accompany us as far as the Mandan villages. If it were acceptable to the Mandans, they would trap in that area. We agreed to take them with us. By the time we reached the Mandans on August 21st, I was feeling considerably better. I could move around provided I didn't walk too far or too fast. We were cordially welcomed by Chief Black Cat and another dignitary who had been absent during our first visit, Chief Tahiki, a good-looking man with prematurely white hair. At a big council, we smoked and then discussed the fact that war was blighting the lives of the Plains people. Mandan no one fight. Mandan keeps peace. Rikara breaks peace. Rikara? I thought it was the Teton. Yes, Teton too. Which one, Tihiki? Rikara or Teton? Both. First, Teton say to Rikara, you go kill Mandan, or we kill you. Rikara, fear Teton. Rikara kill eight of our young men. Now is the start of it, huh? Yes, yes. We make talk with Rikara. We warn them. Our great president, Thomas Jefferson, will not let traitors come to them if they make war. Jehiki, if one of your chiefs could come with us to Washington City, meet our president. Oh, no. Mandan always stay in own land. Mandan leave, Mandan never come back, never see his own people again. All right, Jehiki, but a personal meeting could do much good for you and your people. I want only peace for my people. I want my young men to live. You punish Rikarad and Sue. We will speak to them. Tell them our people do not trade with murderers. That is good. We speak more later. Now is time for feasting. After the feast, Billy went through the village to make sure our men weren't too diligent in renewing old friendships with the Mandans who were very fond of them. In front of a campfire, my partially healed thigh turned toward the warmth of it. I spoke with Sacagawea and Charbonneau, telling them of something Billy had in mind, among others. Uh, you say she is here to see the president? That's right. You wish him to go, Captain? It would be good for all concerned. Yeah, huh? <laughs> I will speak to him. He sounded long with the Mandan. You will make sure he see the right way. Well, good. Now, if you both remember, this is where we met about two years ago. Fort Mandan to Fort Mandan. The United States Army owes you $500. Uh, yes, sir. We signed on here. <laughs> Both Captain Clark and I would like you to stay with us. Come on to St. Louis. Oh, Mr. Hola. 
You would be lost. This is our home. Captain Clark says he'd get you a good job, Carbonell. And he's fond of little Pompey. Little Buckfield. And you, Jamie. You're both fond of you. Captain Clark would like to give Baptiste an education. All the way through college. What do you think, Captain? I do not know. It's a difficult question to answer. I can tell you one thing. The future won't be bad for you. But it could be for Baptiste. Hmm? What do you mean, bad for Baptiste? He's half Indian. Or all Indian, if he stays here. White men are coming west. Nothing in this world can stop. They will take from the Indians land, goods, everything. Yeah, but, but then, what was all the talk you and Captain Clark made to the Western tribe? Talk of trade, talk of peace. Hey, what kind of talk was it? Hope, Charbonneau. Hope that some of the people who come out here can control the others. Hope that they'll act right because they're proud of their country and our presence. I see. <laughs> there is always the good, the bad. And sometimes the bad wins. Sometimes it happens as it did to the Indians east of the Mississippi. Young Baptiste will face that. He'll have a chance to fight it if he's an educated man. Oh, he is yet a baby. Nineteen miles. You wish him educated, Tristan? I wish him to be as Captain Louis says. Then we will bring him to St. Louis when he's old enough. Good. Captain Clark will be happy to know that. You know, he loves Pompey as his own. Mm. With learning, Baptiste could help his people in the days ahead. Chabono went to Shihiki and began what turned out to be a series of conversations about visiting Washington. Then John Coulter, one of our best men, came to speak to Billy Clark. Yeah, right. What's this all about, Coulter? <laughs> well, sir, if it's all the same to you and Captain Lewis, I'd like to be discharged from the Army right here. What? Say that again. I'd like to be discharged here, sir. Why? You signed on St. Louis to St. Louis. I've liked this trip, sir, and, and I don't want to go back. Be nothing but lonely in St. Louis. Them trappers, Hancock and Dixon. They say the three of us can make a fortune fur trapping. Well, I'd like to try. What kind of deal, Johnny? Are you a hired hand or a partner? I get a third share, sir. You make sure of that? Yes, sir. Then I can be paid off here, I didn't say that. There could be trouble, Johnny. I don't see why. Well, suppose we pay you off. Suppose somebody else wants off down the river apiece. And somebody else. We'll have to let him go because we let you. Captain Lewis and I end up with not enough men to row the boats into St. Louis. He's got a point there, Johnny. Yes, sir. I, I was just asking, that's all. I'll tell you what we'll do. If you approve, Merriweather, we'll put it to the men. Good idea. Gas. Sergeant Gas. Assemble yes. the men. Yes, sir. All right, you men. Captain's want to talk to you. Oh. In a few minutes, all the corps had gathered about. Most of them were grave as if they were expecting some sort of crisis. All right, settle down, man. Let's have it quiet. First, no big problem has come up, so you can relax. Now, you probably heard Chabono and Sakajawea are leaving us here, where they signed on. That's regular. Now, Johnny Coulter wants a favor. He wants to be paid off here, too, so he can go fur trapping. Uh, the trouble is, he signed on St. Louis to St. Louis. Think about that a minute. 
Captain Lewis and I are inclined to let Johnny have his wish, provided nobody else asks to be discharged short of St. Louis. We can't go home without a reasonable compliment of men. Is that clear? Yeah. yeah. All right, now we want you to decide. Does Johnny say goodbye here or not? Well, for one, I want to go home. And St. Louis is home. Let's put it to a vote. All in favor of Johnny Calder getting paid off here, say aye. Aye. Those against, say nay. Well, that's about it. The eyes have it. He paid off Coulter and let him go. Thus, he'd make a fortune in fur traffic. I went down to the river to watch Gas, Bratton, and Steele make minor repairs to the big white pirogue when Charbonneau reported to me. Captain Louis? Yes, Charbonneau. Chief Shihiki says you will make the trip to Washington City. Great news. Great. How did you do it? <laughs> I convinced him it was his duty to people. <laughs> I said Monsieur Jefferson would always give preference to people he had met. And... I don't know about that last. I just matter, Captain. The point is, Lee soon changes his mind. He's torn between duty to his people and going against his religion. The great spirit of the Mardals condemn people who forsake the land of their birth. That we'll leave tomorrow. I want you to know that you've been a great help, and we appreciate it. Billy Clark and I spoke to Shihiki that evening, praising him for his wise decision, stressing that now his people would have personal contact with our great president. We can shove off any time you give the word. Au revoir, Captain. Good luck. Tell Captain Clark we will bring little Baptiste in a few years. Take good care of him. You men in the boat, move! All right, move The boat is ready for you, Shihiki. Yes, Captain. We go. Ready, Billy? Ready to cast off. On the St. Louis Cossacks. Dear me, home. Down river, we ran into rain and big waves. But we were good at the river game by now, and we had an expert in the boat, Pierre Cruzat. He was still abnormally quiet, brooding over what he had accidentally done to Merriweather. But this in no way impaired his efficiency at the pillar. They held on, running with the storm, when others might have put him to shore. I looked at Shihiki, now sitting near me. Suddenly it struck me that here was a man of great courage. Because he didn't hide his emotions as the white man did, you could see this courage fighting his fear and gradually winning out. After the moment he spoke of a couple of wandering French traders we had met at our last stop. It is true what they said, Captain. And you heard? Yes. Arikara Keith went two years ago to Washington City with Dorian and the Yankton. He died. It's true. But he died of natural causes. You will tell the Ritteraz? I don't know yet. They will blame the white man. Do you? No. All men must die. 
Inevitably, we reached the Arikarar villages and were welcomed with a flattering friendliness. We spoke firmly to them about keeping the peace, and they assured us that they were not warlike. Whoever said they were was making medicine against them. Then we moved on downriver. They didn't know about their chief dying. I thought it was best not to say anything. You were right. They won't keep the peace. Not so long as they're content to echo the policies of the Tetons through. I say treat the Tetons rough. Show disapproval. Let them know there'll be no more trading till they straighten out. The following day, we continued our trip through the country of the Tetons through. From cliffs along the river, warriors made threatening gestures and screamed insults. But significantly, not a one knocked an arrow or pulled the trigger. Our triumph came as we were leaving their country. One of their chiefs, Black Buffalo, rushed to the edge of the river, rifle in hand. Captain, look at him. Ignore him, Jack. He's putting his rifle to the ground. One, twice, three times. That's a no war place. <laughs> I know what's going on in his mind. He's afraid we'll warn traitors away. On the 2nd of September, not far beyond the mouth of the Vermilion River, we saw a camp on the riverbank. There were a number of men, two large boats, and a hospitable fire. We laid in to shore and were welcomed by a personable Scotch trader named James Eyre and a well-equipped party heading upstream to trade with the Sioux of all people. I can hardly believe it. Oh, Captain Lewis, Captain Clark, a healthy group of men. But you're all supposed to be dead. Everybody east of St. Louis says so. Well, looks like they're due for a surprise. Sunday, see that every man among our guests gets his fill of food. Ah, but sit down here, my friend. I'm sorry I've got no whiskey to offer. Well, we won't miss it, Mr. Ed. We ran out of it over a year ago. Not too bad, because it isn't every day that a man can drink to return from the dead. <laughs> well, let me see. I'm delighted you're here. <laughs> if I had a glass in my hand, I'd drink to a prosperous trip for you. Hey, we're going up the river to trade with the Sioux. The Yankins, yes, but keep away from the Tetons if you want to stay alive. Hmm? Is that bad? Great so. Mr. Ed, we've been away for almost two and a half years. What's, uh... What's going on at home? Hey, well, uh, let me see. Uh, oh, Aaron Burr killed Alexander Hamilton in the duel. Killed? Hey, that's right. I'm not surprised. They hated each other. There ought to be a law against men in the public eye dueling. It's such a bad example for the people. A year ago, Zebulon Pike took an expedition to the headwaters of the Mississippi. Good old Zeb. Hey, and, uh, and there was an impeachment. Not President Jefferson. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, Associate Justice Case of the Supreme Court. He was acquitted. Their relations are strained with England. Well, they were when we left. Anyhow, a British ship fired an American frigate off Sandy Hook. Killed one of our sailors. What ship? His Majesty's ship Leander and United States ship Richard. Uh, generally speaking, people are pleased with Jefferson. Experts say the Federalist Party will never come back. And since General Wilkinson's been in charge of New Orleans, there's uh, talk flying around about war with Spain. Well, now let's hear about your trip. Well, we made it all the way to the Pacific. It was a pleasant and informative evening for us all. We slept much later than our customary dawn awakening, 
and we didn't make our farewells and push out into the river until mid-morning. Several days later, we came to that place of melancholy memory, the height overlooking the river where we had buried Sergeant Charles Floyd. We left the boat and gathered about the grave. Eighteen four. Over two years ago. At the time, I thought he was only the first. Yes. Who'd have ever guessed he'd be the only one we'd lose? I figured he was lucky that some of us would die violently. He was a good man. A good sergeant. At least he's lying in a peaceful spot. Let's go. Now a kind of homecoming fever seemed to take hold of the men. They talked of St. Louis. People they knew and hadn't seen, families, women, what they were going to do with their pay. Dozens of things that all connected with home. They didn't mind long hours at the oars, and they didn't want to spend time hunting and cooking and eating. Not if a skimpier diet would get them home sooner. Then on September 12th, we met our old friend, Pierre Dorian, heading up river with a party. Pierre caught our men at a peak of weariness, and he had plenty of the first whiskey they had seen in some time. They agreed to stop long enough to eat and drink and celebrate with him. <laughs> oh, my friends, my friends, such a pleasure to see you again. <laughs> God, fire, Guyard, those way all of you. There is food enough to feed a regiment. There is whiskey enough to float you the rest of the way to Saint Louis. Help yourself. <laughs> Fine. Thank you. Fine. All right. And I've got him from this eastern sun on the water. <laughs> oh, the monster. He remembers me. Oh, Shannon, old boy. You made it, huh? <laughs> you stayed out of the Indian cookbook, huh? <laughs> Remember two years ago, we took the Eric around the Yankton back to Washington. We? Oui? And now I am on another errand for Monsieur Jefferson. I have a load of muskets for the Arikara to help say that we are all sorry that their chief died in Washington. I am a pacifier. Mighty sad the chief had to die. I hope our man Chihiki has better watch. Well, where is he? He's a little distant tonight. He wanted to make his bed in our white pierogi. <laughs> he sounds funny. <laughs> the rest of my uh, little errand... Uh, President Je Jefferson wanted reliable reports on how you died. <laughs> <laughs> like Ed said, everybody thinks we're dead. Well, I never did. No, not the little brother of George Rogers Clark. What happened we were dead? Well, who knows? Except the frontier experts call it a suicide mission. <laughs> Anyhow, there were two rumors. First, the Blackfeet kill you all. Not so far wrong. We did have a little set to. And second, the Spanish capture you and send you into slavery in the Mexican silver mine. <laughs> yeah, that here, we'll have a drink on that. Well, of course. Uh, but why? A month ago, Cruzette put a bullet in me by accident while we were hunting. Oh. He brooded over it. This is the first time he's touched that fiddle since it happened. Cruzette, <laughs> he'll do. Let's drink to that. Oh, 
Nobody can ever say that Pierre Dorian wasn't invited to our homecoming, even if it is a little early. Great cheers for the Lewis and Clark expedition! Joy was the only word to describe our feelings. As Dorian had said, essentially we had been a suicide mission in the beginning. But we'd made a success of it, as all of those who marked us dead would soon find out. And each of us felt a pardonable pride in himself and the other. Two weeks later, we approached the pretty little village of St. Charles. And a few miles beyond, we could see the outskirts of St. Louis. Look at it. Look at it. That uh, sure is pretty. Ken, I don't want to make any speeches. I just want to say that in a few days, we'll be individuals going about our individual activities. Right now, and for a little while longer, with the Lewis and Clark Corps of Discovery, we did something together that nobody ever did before. proud of you all. Now let's load up our rifles in the swivel guns. We're going to fire a salute that'll open every door in town and bring everybody running down to the river. Everybody ready, guys? Ready, sir. Ready, fire! In a few days, the big, loud welcome home parties in St. Charles and St. Louis were over. The men were paid off. As Billy predicted, they began to go about their private activities. But never again in anonymity. Always, each man would recall the time we'd been together. United in common cause and common endeavor. Find the place where the great river of the West reached the South Sea, or where the Missouri led. These were the goals of Cartier, Hudson, Champlain, Nicolet, Duluth, and La Salle. But it remained for Lewis and Clark to cross the American continent to the waters of the Pacific. In their westerly journey, they filled out the map, substituting knowledge for dreams. They brought home the first authentic anthropological, botanical, and biological reports about this fabulous land. They met with the Indians, with intelligence, respect, and humanity. Today, ten stars on our flag represent the state their extensive trail crossed. Because of them, the West is American. As the historian John Bakeless puts it, today, white, red, half-breed, and Negro they lie under the flag with the new stars they added, scattered over the land they served, the land they explored. Lewis, under his broken column in Tennessee, still solitary in the wild woods he loved. Clark, on the knoll at Bellefontaine. Charbonneau, God knows where, on the lonely prairie. And Sacagawea and her child, still among the tribes. <laughs> 
have been listening to the concluding episode of Horizons West, the story of the Lewis and Clark expedition. Down the Missouri to St. Louis starred Harry Bartell as Meriwether Lewis and John Anderson as William Clark. Featured in the cast were Sebastian Cabot, Helen Gerald, Bill Quinn, Jack Crucian, Frank Gerstle, Gary Collins, Richard Peel, and Don Messick. Our story was written by Carly and William Tunberg and directed by William Lally. Sound patterns by Gene Twombly. Michael Rye speaking. This is the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. I hope you enjoyed this episode of otrwesterns.com. Send me an email, podcast at otrwesterns.com. Call, leave me a voicemail, 707-986-8739. Check us out on Twitter, at otrwesterns, and don't forget to rate us on iTunes, otrwesterns.com slash iTunes. This podcast is a proud member of the OT Netcast Network. For more information and a list of all of our shows, go to otnetcast.com. Again, it's otnetcast.com. This episode is copyright 2011 under the attribution non-commercial share alike copyright. For more information, go to otrwesterns.com slash copyright. Thanks for listening and have a great day.